When a billionaire yanked the plug on a pioneering Chicago digital news site, putting him out of work, he went ahead and co-founded another digital news site. The fundamental lesson was how about instead of asking local businesses to support it with uh, advertising dollars, why don't we just ask the readers directly to support it with subscription dollars or with donations? Seamus Toomey had a long and distinguished career in traditional newspaper journalism, including close to a decade at the Sun-Times, where he supervised the team that won a 2011 Pulitzer before embracing digital journalism, first at the late DNA Info Chicago, and now at Block Club Chicago, which he co-founded and serves as editor-in-chief. I'm Charlie Meyerson with Rivet360 and ChicagoPublicSquare.com, and this is Chicago Media Talks, a show in which people in Chicago media talk about Chicago media. Now here's my co-host, my friend, and my Rivet360 colleague, journalism strategist, Sheila Solomon. Seamus, what made you become a journalist? Boy, good question. Origin question. I became a journalist because uh, I started in in high school. Uh, A lot of, like other young journalists, uh, I like to write. Um, I got involved, actually started as a cartoonist in high school um, for the school paper. And I, watching the other journalists around me, working on the on the school paper the evanstonian evanston township high school um i found it fascinating so when i was old enough to be a staff member i applied and and got a job and it just started there and um my high school friends always say i'm the only one that actually followed through with the what the plans i said i was going to do what i was going to become when i was in high school and eventually this propelled you to a role with the 2011 Pulitzer Prize, tell us about that. Well, that was a uh, that was a project we did at the Sun Times, and I am uh, will be quick to always say that uh, the real geniuses behind that project were the three reporters um, and photographer. Um, that was Mark Conkle, Frank Main, and John Kim. Um, they did a summer long look and beyond about violence in Chicago. Um, the, the gist of the story was why they won't stop shooting in Chicago, uh, which is a theme that just as relevant in 2021 as it was 10 years ago. Um, but those, uh, those three just put in incredible work on it and, um, they ended up winning the, um, the, uh, 2011 Pulitzer for, for local reporting, which, uh, the sometimes hadn't won, uh, a Pulitzer in a while. So it was, a, uh, it was a very big deal and, uh, full credit goes to, um, to, to, John Kim's incredible audio recordings and, uh, and uh, still photography work he did on it, um, and, and Mark Conkle and Frank Main's incredible reporting and writing. So you're at the pinnacle of what, or what many people would consider the pinnacle of a journalism career, and, and yet you left print journalism, you left the Sun-Times in 2013 for this new digital startup, DNA Info Chicago. What were you thinking? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, there's every once in a while, you just figure it's time for a change. Uh, the sometimes I've been there almost 10 years. Uh, sometimes, uh, anyone that's worked there or follows it is sort of in a, uh, at least back then was in a sort of constant state of turmoil. Um, you know, concerns about it shutting down at any moment. Um, in hindsight, looking back, you know, it, it's, it's a survivor. Um, it, it keeps going forward and it keeps finding new people that want to invest in it and keep it alive. And, and that's wonderful. Um, 
10 years ago, it was, um, we were going through just a bunch of things. There was uh, layoffs happening and this new opportunity came along to do just digital. Um, how about not doing the, you know, not serving two masters, the, the print and the digital. What if we just did, uh, it just goes up whenever it's ready to go up and there's no, uh, there's no print deadlines when you've got to, you know, cut bait early. So, uh, it was intriguing. Um, I was up for something new and so I, I gave it a shot. What were some of the hardest, uh, challenges you faced making that transition from print journalism to, you know, what was then still a, a relatively new concept, this, you know, news on the web thing? Yeah, I think it was a more, um, I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a structural thing. It was more of um, uh, of getting people to read a, a brand new website. Um, I wasn't going to an established entity. Um, we, you know, didn't, didn't exist. There had been talk about DNA info starting up. And um, there had been a, a, a long uh, runway uh, for, which I was not there for, um, my Black League my block club colleague, uh, Jen Sabella was there. Uh, I think she was the second hire and she did a lot of the, the hiring early on and built just an incredible crew there. But yeah, I think one of the biggest things was just getting people to, uh, to come to us, to read us, to trust us and, um, all that with, you know, kind of a weird name, you know, DNA info, you know, we had to repeat it a lot to people and, and, uh, tell them what it, stood for and, and all that. So, you know, just getting people to trust a brand new news entity was, was probably the hardest part. Remind us what it did stand for. I don't remember. Digital, <laughs> digital, digital news. I forget what the A was, wasn't it? Uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it's a funny story, at least to me. Uh, it was sort of a, uh, a rolling meaning for what it meant. Um, I was told it stood for digital news and information when I was hired. Later to find out it actually stood for uh, digital network associates, which is even worse. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, somewhere along the way, I changed it sort of on the fly in the newsroom uh, to uh, the digital neighborhood authority, which I, I thought sounded a little bit cooler. I mean, we did, you know, we, we were we had to work within, you know, the, the four corners of the uh, indict, indictment, so to speak. But, um, yeah, DNA Info. Um, you know, Block Club actually owns the DNA Info name, but we decided to uh, to, to leave it behind. And, and uh, I'm, I can't say I'm sad about that. Coming up, what emerged from the ashes of DNA Info Chicago? Chicago Media Talks is sponsored by Sun Fun U Mediterranean Voyages. When you need a break from all the news and from the windy city itself, join Sun Fun U for a week yachting through the Mediterranean, learning history of the region, and playing in the sea. To make trouble seem a world away, visit Sun Fun U and sign up for a voyage this summer. WTTW News and Chicago Tonight are committed to providing trusted journalism, fact-based news, and authentic engagement that is reflective of the diverse voices of our region. By donating at WTTW.com slash fundnews, you support in-depth coverage and analysis of Chicago news and public affairs across WTTW's television and digital platforms. Don't miss Chicago Tonight each weekday at 7 p.m. or streaming on WTTW.com wherever you are. Latino Voices on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Black Voices on Sundays at 6 p.m. So take us back to 2017 and the last days of DNA Info Chicago. What led to its demise? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, 
a handful of things. Um, the, the, the first of which is uh, a standard um, d- journalism, digital journalism, all journalism problem was that there was not enough money to, to fund it. Um, it, it, was a, uh, it was free site um, or relied on digital advertising, uh, banner ads to be specific. And, you know, you, you really can't, <laughs> you, it's really hard to make a living on banner ads. Um, those things are virtually, uh, uh worthless. Uh, you, you know, you can sell millions of them and still, uh, you know, hardly pay for a reporter. Um, and it just, it, we, we weren't bringing in enough revenue to support, um, which was a, a very large newsroom, uh, at that point. I think, um, when we closed, we were upwards of, uh, 25 uh, actually journalists. Um, we also had a sales staff. Uh, we had, uh, w- we had a big overhead and, uh, and there wasn't, uh, there just wasn't enough advertising revenue coming in. Um, the subplot was, um, there was a, uh, sister newsroom in New York, um, uh, DNA info New York. And, um, there was a, uh, push, uh, at that point to, uh, for, um, you know, unionization. And I think that combined with, uh, sort of the, the, the losing revenue, um, uh, encouraged the, uh, the owner just to, uh, to, to pull the plug. Which brings me to my next question. What was it like working for the founder of these publications, Joe Ricketts, the conservative patriarch of the family that had bought and still owns the Chicago Cubs? Well, you know, what I always say is um, I, I, you know, choose to remember how much money he put into journalism in Chicago. Um, He, he really sunk a lot of his own money um, into this idea that you could make a digital only neighborhood focused uh, news site. Um, and he gave it a go and, you know, he gave us a chance. He gave, uh, uh, myself and Jen and all of our reporters, um, he hired a lot of people. Um, we had a, we had a big, you know, we had a big staff and we covered a lot of news. We broke a lot of stories. So, um, so for that, I'm, you know, I'm grateful. Obviously I wish we were, you know, (laughs) you know, I wish it didn't end the way it ended, but, um, but, uh, you know, he, um, you know, uh, did not, uh, you know, it wasn't sort of a, you know, cover this, cover that. He wanted neighborhood news. He wanted, uh, you know, he wanted to keep it as local as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the financial commitment he put into, uh, getting, uh, DNA info off the ground and, you know, keeping us uh, afloat for five years. So, Seamus, in your response, you seem to be talking about the potential and the experiences that you realized from being a part of DNA Info. What other lessons did you learn from DNA Info that propelled you into Black Club Chicago? the biggest thing that we learned was there is a hungry, um, appetite, you know, there's a big audience for the sort of news that we were doing. Um, it wasn't, you know, DNA info didn't close down for a lack of, uh, 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 of stories or readers or, you know, or any of that. It was just, it was a funding problem. Um, so we figured out if we could come back, uh, with essentially the same editorial model covering neighborhoods by geography, um, going, you know, digging down very deep, <laughs> doing some stories that, you know, most publications may not do because they're so small. Um, but, you know, they could be extremely interesting to uh, a small 
group of folks, you know, let's say, you know, just you know, one neighborhood, only one neighborhood might be interested. Um, and we don't worry about how this is going to play on the other side of town because we'll have a reporter there doing the small story there. So we knew that could work um, in terms of bringing people in. The question was, okay, how do we then pay for these reporters and these editors? So um, that was sort of the fundamental lesson was, um, you know, don't give up on the editorial side or this this vision that people will come and read your news and, and find it valuable. Um, but how about instead of asking uh, local businesses to support it with uh, advertising dollars, um, what, why don't we just ask the readers directly to support it with subscription dollars or with donations? After DNA Info folded or was folded, did you consider returning to print journalism? Uh, you know, <laughs> Not really. I mean, of course, you know, we closed on a Thursday night. Um, You know, I need to keep working. Uh, So, you know, sort of everything was on the table. But, um, you know, we were very sad. You know, it was a bummer. Um, We all went out and um, uh, had a few cocktails. Uh, Funny, cool story. Uh, When word got around, you know, we were, you know, pretty popular site. We had 110 million page views in our final year. Um, you know, when we closed down, word went around on Twitter and um, there started a, uh, like an online, I forget if it was GoFundMe or, or something. I, I don't think it was that formal, but uh, they started just raising money to, you know, buy <laughs> buy a, a cocktail for uh, uh, for the DNA Info folks as a, as a thank you. And there is like a couple thousand dollars uh, for uh, the crew went out and, you know, of course, you know, uh, we burned through it in a night. Um, <laughs> I think that was one bar tab. Um, but, uh, you know, but after a couple days of that, you know, licking our wounds, we, um, you know, a couple of us got together and said, okay, listen, uh, we got to keep, we got to keep this going somehow. We've got, we've got this big audience. Um, we've got people out there that all of a sudden we just pulled the chair out from underneath them in terms of providing and getting their news. Um, what if we came back pretty quickly You know, let's not wait a year. Um, let's do it quickly. So people will make the connection that, uh, you know, the folks that used to bring you DNA info are now, uh, this, this new entity, um, that we could still grab those people. So, um, that was, uh, that was uh, how quickly it happened. So, uh, didn't have a lot of time to start, you know, thinking about, um, going back to going back to print. Uh, we really wanted to keep pushing forward and, um, and, and, you know, doing digital, you know, we, you know, I've been in the news industry long enough to know that there's still value in, in, in print journalism. I mean, there's advertisers still like display ads. They can be a very compelling uh, way to reach people. And it's also, you know, print is still a way that a lot, a big segment of um, the city and the world gets their news, especially, you know, the older segment. Um, So I, I get that there's, there's tons of value in, 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 in putting out a print publication that people can hold. But, um, but, you know, in the long run, uh, I think everyone realizes that, um, that's, uh, it is fading. It fades a little bit more every year. And eventually if you want to be on the, on the forefront of it, um, you're better off without, um, without certainly not a daily uh, publication. So walk us through what happened between November, 2017, when DNA info shut down and February, 2018, when Block Club Chicago launched? Uh, it was Stephanie Lule, Jen Sabella, and myself. Um, 
we did a lot of Googling of things, um, <laughs> how to make this work. I mean, we, we basically started uh, our own nonprofit. Um, and I can't say any of the three of us had any idea what, um, what it was involved with that. Um, it's not terribly difficult for some of the, just the, the mundane things, you know, you got to walk into the secretary of state's office in the Thompson center and, you know, put in some, uh, you know, handwritten paperwork establishing your articles of incorporation. Uh, you need to pick a board of, you know, organize a board of directors, um, things like that, you know, open a bank account, uh, you know, consider, do you need an accountant, get a QuickBooks, uh, subscription, you know, like boring stuff like that, but stuff that you really need to do. So, um, but all the while we're, you know, we're thinking about, okay, which of our laid off reporters can we get back? They all started, um, you know, finding new jobs, uh, hopefully, um, as quickly as they could. They didn't want to be out of work for too long. Um, everyone got something like three months severance. So, you know, people had a little bit of a runway, but we needed to, uh, we needed to keep moving and do it at fast. And we wanted to get, get back and not lose this, uh, this readership as well. So, um, so a lot of that, that time spent was, um, was talking to potential funders, uh, making decisions about, are we going to be a for-profit? Are we going to be a non-profit? If we're a for-profit, you know, where's the first round of funding come from? Um, do we, um, you know, do we go to uh, venture capitalists <laughs> to uh, raise money? Uh, do we uh, go to philanthropic groups to raise money as a nonprofit? So all, all that stuff. It was uh, it was a fascinating time. Um, we, Jen, Stephanie, and I uh, made a point to try to work in a different coffee shop <laughs> every day uh, and, and all around the city. Um, we really wanted to get out there and see the city um, and and work somewhere with um, free Wi-Fi. So where'd the name come from? You know, I think the origin on that is, I think Jen was the winner of that one. We, um, I just came across a spreadsheet. Uh, it was just titled the name, um, in my Google drive. And, uh, I'm afraid to look at it because, uh, this was an arduous process. We, we had dozens of, you know, hundreds of potential names and, um, you know, you can come up with a great one, but if there's, if you've got no hope of us getting the uh, the domain name or anything close to it, um, you sort of, you know, want to move on. You didn't want to have some, um, s some domain that was uh, just too hard. So, um, block club was actually, uh, it was what we called our, the lighthearted blog section of DNA info. Like whenever we had a story that we thought was, you know, a little, maybe too goofy for straight news, we, um, we would, we would make it a, a block club. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the idea was, um, uh, for us, for, for block club, Chicago was, um, block clubs are sort of the, um, to me, like the sort of the most, uh, down to earth form of government in Chicago. Uh, they're, they're literally one block, um, you know, semi-democratic, you've got a, you've got a block club president who tries to keep things in line, does the organizing, uh, you know, if they were going to put up signs, if they're going to make up rules, if they're going to keep people in touch. So for us, it was, uh, um, it was very representative of what we do. We're on the ground. We like to do, uh, things, you know, from the ground up, uh, small, medium, large stories. And, um, uh, a, a block club was sort of the, the, the very basic building block of organizing in Chicago. So we, we thought it had a nice ring to it. So subscriptions are keeping you afloat or is it a combination of subscriptions and 
other things. You know, the theory all along was um, if this is going to work, this is going to have to be the readers who are uh, supporting us. If they find it valuable um, and enough of them come and they pay you know, $59 a year, $6 a month, um, I, that we could make this sustainable. So um, at this point, we are uh, 70% reader funded. Um, that's from our uh, almost 17,000 paid subscribers um, who also bless their hearts. They, uh, many of them turn around and give donations throughout the year as well. Um, you know, I think $59 a year is a pretty good deal. Um, I think some of them do as well. And, and some of them choose to pay a hundred a year or some pay two fifty a year just as a, uh, as a just sort of a measure of goodwill. Like we like what you guys are doing. We want to keep you alive. We will, um, you know, we'll give you a little bit more. We'll, we'll buy a t-shirt. We'll buy a tote bag. Um, we'll make a donation, uh, during a fundraising drive. So, um, between those donations and those subscriptions, um, it's about 70% of our, of our annual budget. And then the rest is a, um, it's a combination of, um, we, we sell some, uh, some merchandise that's uh, been pretty popular. Um, and we've got some support from, from family foundations and, uh, philanthropic groups as well, like the Joyce Foundation and the MacArthur Foundation and the McCormick Foundation. And I should, I shouldn't start naming them all because I'll leave them out. But, um, uh, Report for America, we're teamed up with them. We've got a couple of reporters for the Report for America program and they, um, that pays for some of the salaries of, of those folks. So, yeah, so that other 30% is a, uh, I would say, sort of a, a, a patchwork mosaic of, of other funding that um, that's where we try to get, uh, we, we try to get, uh, you know, uh, creative on that one, I would say. So, Seamus, is that model, do you think, uh, replicable for other news organizations, old and new? Yes, I think it is. Now, I mean, there's a big caveat that, you know, Chicago is a very large city. Um, so we've got, you know, we're swimming in a much bigger pond um, to try to find subscribers. Uh, if you were to start this in a town, a city of 100,000, um, you, you could you could do it. Whether you could get 17,000, 20,000 subscribers, I think that would be a stretch. So um, I think it just, it you know, it scales down. Um, a little bit of how many um, reporters you could have, um, but I, I definitely think it's it's doable, it, and it is being done. There are uh, similar newsrooms around the country, and uh, new ones pop up all the time. And you know, it's really just a, it, it's a simple equation of saying, um, is the news, the local news, valuable to you? Because if you if there's nowhere else to get it and, and, a, and a group wants to start up and say, we're going to cover, we're going to send someone to your village board meeting. We're going to send, you know, someone to, uh, you know, to local businesses to, to write about them or to find out what the sirens were last night. Um, you know, if that's valuable enough to, to pay a little bit a month, um, then we can keep this going. And, you know, I think, you know, in the last, you know, five, 10 years, as we all, um, acquire more monthly subscriptions to things uh you know we start to pick and choose like what can we afford that's valuable to our lives is it is it your netflix is it your your hulu is it you know any of your uh these streaming services that pop up you kind of pick and choose what what can i afford that um that i'm going to use and you know we hope to um you know we hope to slide in there of you know something valuable to people that they may or may not 
be able to get elsewhere. So, um, yeah, around the country, I think that's, that's, that's definitely doable. You know, it's gotta, you gotta find the right price point, um, that's, that people can afford. And, um, and you just gotta be, um, you know, you, you just gotta be careful. You, you can't go overboard and hire 40 people right away and expect to make all that back. You gotta grow and you gotta grow sustainably. Tell us about uh, Block Club's implementation of, of a paywall to keep people from reading some content until they've put some money on the table. How is that working? How has your strategy evolved since launch? We, we said from the beginning uh, we weren't going to put any, um, any breaking like crime or uh, emergency news, public safety news uh, behind the paywall. So, um, you know, I would always say like if, so, you know, if, I don't want you to have to, you know, click, you know, put in a credit card to find out what's burning in your neighborhood or something like that. Um, but um, it's really evolved to include. Um, uh, we don't put anything COVID related uh, behind the paywall. Um, again, that uh, seems pretty obvious, but I, you know, we were one of the first news organizations to just to, to do that. Um, a lot of others. Are, I think most others uh, now do the same. Uh, just didn't make sense. We're, we're trying to get out this emergency information to readers. Um, you know, you want to get it as easily as possible to them. Um, we've also, um, we don't put stories um, generally in, in neighborhoods that um, have tend to historically been underserved by the media. Um, uh, the West Side, um, you know, big chunks of the South Side. We want that stuff to be as accessible to um, the readers down there as possible. So uh, it's a, uh, you know, we've started to call it like a freemium model. There's a lot of it is um, is available to everyone. Um, and then there's, you know, some stories that's a lot of the, you know, we cover a lot, a lot of neighborhood developments, um, new businesses. So some of that stuff is the stuff that's, um, that's subscription only, as well as the neighborhood newsletters. Um, you know, that's the, that's the, 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 the premium content that if you, you sub subscribe, you get access to all of that. So Seamus, can you tell us what else you're doing on your site? One of the things that uh, we are doing is um, we we began a, uh, a COVID hotline, um, which is a free bilingual hotline that uh, was available to, to you know to anyone in Chicago can can call in, they could text in, they could e email in, um, and just it, with any questions they had about uh, about uh, coronavirus, about the city's restrictions, about um, uh, you know it's much more about vaccinations now, um, but you know back early on last year it was you know testing sites where could you go to get free tests uh, which which you know had the shorter lines where, where what was the closest place to you um how long should i quarantine when i'm out of you know when i'm out of town that sort of thing um we well we discovered early on um in, not surprisingly you know when when um, COVID hit, um, there was just a lot of questions out there. There was just so much confusion and it was, the news was different every day. Um, you know, the city was, you know, trying their best to stay on top of it, but it was a moving target. There was a lot going on. Um, uh, rules were changing on a daily basis. Uh, you know, the science guidance was changing on a daily basis. No, no one knew this was brand new to everyone. So um, we were answering a lot of those questions. We were doing a lot of explainer stories 
um, our sort of our um, our coronavirus uh, main reporter Kelly Bauer um, is just you know an amazing mind. Um, she was able to track all this stuff and know you know what were the latest rules and guidance. And so she was doing a lot of these stories. And um, and uh, Stephanie Lule had come up with the idea of well, what if we just did a free hotline that anyone could call in because um, maybe we're not answering every question with our stories. What if there's a specific one? Um, so we went out and we got. Um, some funding for that one. We hired some um, uh, uh, bilingual journalists to to staff it as well. And you know we've taken I think you know almost a, a thousand individual calls, which is one on one help. Someone calls in with a question. What about this? Um, we get them either uh, point them to the right. You know, we either get them the answer or we point them to the right folks. Uh, we're, you know, we're very careful if people come in and call in with symptoms, what do I do with this one? We, you know, we always encourage them to call a doctor. You know, we're not staffed by, uh, by physicians. Um, we're journalists pointing people to uh, the information that that's available because we've been collecting it already. So um, it's, uh, you know, we're very proud of it just because it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it wasn't meant to, you know, help block club. It was trying to get all this information out a different way than necessarily than we're used to doing with, with newsletters, with social media posts, with that. This was direct one-on-one help for people in the, in the community in in Spanish and in English. And how's it making a difference that you also have photos of each of the reporters with their stories, as well as these headings like original reporting and on the ground and sources cited that was uh, in, an innovation that uh, was from the from the early days from our, our first day at block club um it was uh they're called the credibility indicators um and they're at the top of every story um let's see they are we've moved around a little bit they used to be on the side now they're right uh, uh uh, before the uh, the text of the story, and uh, what they do is uh, we've got four different ones. There's one for original reporting, um, there's one for on the ground, and there's one for sources cited, and then there's one for um, subject specialist. And um, but pretty straightforward original reporting. Uh, we're just telling our readers that this is not aggregated copy. Uh, this is something that the reporter uh, herself uh, reported out and vetted um, on the ground is more specific. That means the reporter actually went out on the story, um, uh, you know, was uh, knocking on doors or was at the, the scene of the crime or was just out at the, the meeting um, just to let people know that uh, we're out there doing the work. Um, sources cited is one of the more general ones. You know, most stories have some sources cited. Um, you know, whether it's uh, experts or community leaders or, or, or people, witnesses, um, and the, the subject specialist, we re- reserve that one for, you know, the reporters tend to uh, become experts on uh, a handful of topics in their neighborhoods. Um, Mauricio Pena, uh, who covers Pilsen, um, has really done a lot about environmental uh, reporting, um, industrial pollution. Uh, he was the one covering the Hilco smokestack disaster that covered Little, little Village in, in, in a dust cloud right at the start of the pandemic. So um, when, uh, when, when Mo Pena writes a story about that, I usually click the uh, um, a subject specialist box because he's uh, he's he's earned his stripes on that one. So um, yeah, it was a, we get a lot of good feedback on it. It was a 
uh, credit goes to uh, Civil. Uh, Civil came up with that one, and I believe some of the other um, similar sites to ours, our, our friends around the country, a couple of them use it as well. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, we, we thought it was cool when it started. Um, we had no idea that uh, how well received it was going to be by our um, by our readers. We, we get so many positive comments on it. So um, I always make sure I tell um, uh, the, uh, the, the people that came up with it. Uh, Julia Himmel. Uh, Julia, uh, people still love it. So nice work. This uh Producer Jesse, I was just wondering if you could quickly recap for us the uh, legend of Chance the Snapper. Oh, I would love to. Uh, one of my favorite block club stories. It was uh, a couple summers ago. Um, we, we get an email uh, that says, um, hey, I'm a subscriber. Um, I was going for my morning walk uh, through Humboldt Park, and I swear there is a crocodile or an alligator in the lagoon. That's the email, <laughs> you know, like, uh, this is, you know, kind of a dream come true for a newsman. So uh, I write the guy back and say, uh, can you call us immediately? So he calls, uh, because I want to sort of vet him, you know, to make sure that it's not, you know, a crank. Um, he, you know, he tipped me off that it's a, he's a subscriber, which means, you know, he's, uh, you know, good people. Um, so, uh, I talked to him and he said, yeah, you know, it, it's not a log. Uh, someone else pointed it out to me. Uh, we could see it. It's an alligator. So, uh, we, we called Mina Bloom, our Humboldt park reporter, uh, Mina, get out there, check it out, see if this is real. Um, she hustles out there. Um, and she's on the hunt for not only seeing it, but finding someone who has a photo because there's a rumor that a uh, park district person had gotten a photo. Um, she does a little bit of work. Uh, she finds out, yes, multiple people had reported this sighting to the park district. She gets a hold of the photo. Um, this is all in the course of about an hour or two. Uh, we get a story up. Um, is there an alligator in the Humboldt Park Lagoon? By the end of the day, when we got a much better photo, it was much stronger. Yes, there's an alligator in the Humboldt Park Lagoon. And it really just set off sort of a, a news frenzy because there are no alligators or crocodiles uh, <laughs> this far north, certainly not in the Humboldt Park Lagoon, which is an inland lagoon. You know, someone obviously put it in there, but uh, captured the fancy of the city, the imagination. Um, and uh, and it took them a week to catch it. So uh, we had a week of this frenzy of people uh, showing up. There were like mariachi bands there. There were vendors. They were selling food. Uh, we've since found out that's probably what freaked the alligator out and uh, and uh, kept him uh, hiding in the weeds and uh, avoiding uh, being caught. But uh, we ran a, a Twitter poll, a contest, name the uh, name the alligator, and the winning uh, vote by far was Chance the Snapper. Um, so um, I, I forget the actual person. We had a couple people did that, so we, we sent out uh, free swag to them. And then we made T-shirts uh, that were very popular. And uh, happy to say Chance the Snapper is alive and well. He's at the St. Augustine Crocodile Farm. Uh, he gets regularly visited by uh, alligator Frank Robb, who caught him. Uh, they're close friends, and he's growing by leaps and bounds. He's, uh, he's still adorable. I, I still think he looks like he's smiling whenever he takes a picture. So uh, we love Chance the Snapper. He's sort of our unofficial mascot, and uh, we hope he uh, continues to grow uh, right along with Block Club. You've launched a, a podcast series with your old DNA Info collaborator and my friend, John Hansen. How's that going? It's going fantastic. Um, uh, John Hansen is, is, is wonderful. Uh, we, he, he launched this, um, oh, I think we're at about our 10th episode. Um, so just about 10 weeks ago. 
Uh, it comes out every Thursday. Um, it's called It's All Good, and it's uh, <laughs> it's literally all good news. Um, we do a lot of uh, positive stories on Block Club. You know, we do we do a little bit of everything, but one of the things that we really try to look for is um, people doing good things to make Chicago better. Um, interesting people around Chicago, friend, you know, neighbors helping neighbors, um, stories that are inspirational, and um, you know, the ones that you want to tell your uh, significant other about, your friends about. Hey, did you hear? about this um there's so much of that going on in chicago and sometimes it gets lost uh in the, the you know the daily news where uh you know where you know maybe it's about politics or it's about crime all the time and um it's one of them, the mantras at, at block club um is that uh, let's make sure we don't lose these these human stories these positive stories that really show what chicago is all about um we all know it's not chicago isn't just crime and politics um there's so many great things happening um so we we definitely make a point of highlighting those and then john hansen um He'll just uh, he'll expand on them. He will uh, he'll talk to the reporter who wrote it. He'll get the uh, the person doing the good deed on the block uh, on the podcast as well, um, and just uh, just go deeper into it and talk about it. And um, John's such an engaging um, journalist, uh, personality, friendly guy. Um, he's uh, he worked with us at, at DNA Info. He was our broadcast editor. Uh, he went on to uh, to the Jam um, at WCIU where he's he. he he gained a lot of new fans uh, around the city um, uh, on TV, and now he's 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 back with us, and uh, we're we're really proud of the It's All Good podcast. Why doesn't a Black Club have columnists? You know, a decision early on, we wanted to go uh, straight news. We didn't uh, we we didn't want to do uh, opinion. Um, you know, at, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, there's so much news. To cover in Chicago, there's so many areas we still have left to cover. Um, opinion columns drive a lot of uh, web traffic. They sell a lot of newspapers. They, you know, they they, they do a lot of things. And I've got um, and I and I've got some favorites that I love to read. Um, we we wanted to keep it straight um, and uh, you know try to try to win over people all over the city um, just by telling them what's happening in their neighborhoods. It's that time. Closing thoughts, Sheila. Well, I think Block Club's value is its hyperlocal coverage, which keeps us much better informed about the people and places in our own backyards. Closing thoughts from you, Charlie. With the exodus of columnists from our alma mater, the, uh, the Chicago Tribune, Sheila, I'm hoping more of them find new homes with other organizations or, you know, like Seamus, team up to launch their own. Closing thoughts from you, Seamus. A message to the, the folks that, uh, that that read us, that listen to our podcast, is that um, uh, we do want to get bigger. We do want to reach uh, your neighborhood. If we're not there yet, we're, we're, we're coming. We want to get someone um, covering every single neighborhood in Chicago. So we've got some, um, some spots to fill. Um, and we uh, hope to do this sustainably. We don't want to be the group that goes away uh, in the middle of the night again. Um, we want to be here for, for a good long time because uh, there's so many stories to tell in Chicago. There can never be enough journalists out there to do it, and we just want to put more of them um, out in the streets, out in the neighborhood, telling stories, um, you know, good, bad, and funny about uh, about Chicago because uh, it's a great town and it deserves um, to have uh, – you know, great news coverage. So we're, uh, we're doing our best one reporter at a time. And uh, we thank everyone that's, 
uh, that's donated to us, that's, <laughs> that's bought a, uh, a, a shirt, an alligator watch shirt or a piping plover shirt or a block club shirt or a hat, bought a subscription, made a donation, any of that, or just, you know, told us, told a friend about us or forwarded a story to someone. That's, uh, that's how we're going to grow. We're going to win over one reader at a time and, and hopefully, um, we'll, we'll be talking about us, um, in future podcasts. Amen. Sounds like a winning strategy to me. Our guest on this edition of Chicago Media Talks, recorded live on Clubhouse July 26th, 2021, has been Block Club Chicago Editor-in-Chief and Co-Founder Seamus Toomey. You can reach Seamus via email at Seamus at BlockClubShy.org. That's S-H-A-M-U-S. You can find Sheila Solomon at Sheila at Rivet360.com. And I'm Charlie Meyerson. Join me for a roundup of the news 10 weekday mornings at ChicagoPublicSquare.com. For Sheila Solomon, producers Bob Kessler and Mike Hoffman, and everyone at Rivet360, thanks for listening to Chicago Media Talks. Chicago Media Talks is sponsored by Sun Fun U Mediterranean Voyages. When you need a break from all the news and from the windy city itself, join Sun Fun U for a week yachting through the Mediterranean, learning history of the region, and playing in the sea. To make trouble seem a world away, visit Sun Fun U and sign up for a voyage this summer. WTTW News and Chicago Tonight are committed to providing trusted journalism, fact-based news, and authentic engagement that is reflective of the diverse voices of our region. By donating at WTTW.com slash fundnews, you support in-depth coverage and analysis of Chicago news and public affairs across WTTW's television and digital platforms. Don't miss Chicago Tonight each weekday at 7 p.m. or streaming on WTTW.com wherever you are. Latino Voices on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Black Voices on Sundays at 6 p.m. Rivet360 makes podcasting easy. Want help with your podcast? Visit rivet360.com.